Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings and as always, joined here by Ben Bergeron. Every week on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you as always for tuning in. How the heck are you, Ben? That was good. Thank you. First time. I can read. Yeah. That was a new intro. That was a new intro. We are, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. We've I can been, tell. You can hear it in your voice. Yeah. We've been talking a bit about reconceptualizing the show is not right, but maybe reformatting, bringing it, bringing some new life to a show that we've been doing for 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 20 like six years, five or six oh, years now. Smokes. Yeah. So we're about 250 episodes in, and I thought that that was a good time. <laughs> this was your joke. 250 episodes in. Okay, now season two. <laughs> so in another five years, we'll have season three, something like that. And so uh, I'm really excited. We've been um, chatting about this for a bit. We have a new format. Uh, nothing that folks out there who have been listening for a while won't recognize, but we are essentially going to take kind of all the different sorts of episode formats we've done from two-minute drills to hopper talks to deep dives to whatever else we can come up with, uh, we have come up with. And we're going to try to find a home for all of them inside of one episode. And so uh, we won't over Consistently that. going forward. Exactly. This, like, all the episodes will essentially yeah, have the same. Like instead of like, here's our hopper talk, here's our two-minute, here's our deep dive. They all live in they're one. All gonna, they're, they've all got a new home here. Let's so, do it. I'm digging it. Um, so we're going to do some... Listener questions. We're going to do a deep dive on uh, about the five factors, uh, something I was thinking about as, as I rethought about or as I thought about this formatting. And then we're going to talk about a bit of a scorecard for ourselves in the mm. five factors. So that's what we're going to get into. First one, we're calling it the warm up. Uh, we start, we're going to start each episode uh, with listener questions about specifically about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors for those folks who are new are how we eat, how we move, how we think, how we connect, and how we recover. Ready? Ready. And for folks who have been around, this is two-minute drill in a slightly different uh, jacket. So your challenge is still to get these answers in around two minutes. Question. Uh, and this is from uh, the factor. This is from the move factor. I'm a police officer in a small town in eastern Canada. Two weeks ago, I was run over by a truck when trying to arrest a drunk driver. Thankfully, only had a broken foot. Do you have any suggestions for movements or exercises I might be able to do with upper body to keep my cardio up? So far, I've just been doing upper body building, uh, upper body building cycle with some, some sitting, ski erg, and echo bike. Yeah, it's a challenge that we've uh, we've seen a lot. Is people that want to try to keep their cardio up with a lower body um, injury, mm-hmm. and the first two that he mentioned are the first go tos that I would go to, which is seated um, concept two erging um, on a ski, and the next one would be a echo bike or assault bike upper body only. Those are really good because they still fit in the parameter of what we normally look for, which is measurable, observable, repeatable. But I'll give one other one that sits outside of that realm, which is in a lot of people's training protocols, but it doesn't fit into ours because it's not measurable, observable, repeatable. And that is um, battle ropes. Mm. So sitting down on the end of a bench, grab the end, the two ends of uh, a climbing rope, but one end in each hand, extend the climbing rope out as far as you can. Even better if you have two 15-foot ropes 
and um, go to town. Mm -hmm. So you can alternate. You can alternate big. You can alternate small. You can go double at the same time. You can go side to sides. And essentially, it gives you a, a really good cardiovascular response without using any of your lower body. But the downside is, and the reason it doesn't fit in our normal protocol, is that how the heck do you score it? Mm -hmm. Like you can't tell if you're, yeah. besides like the anecdotally about like, just like how long have you gone, but you don't measure the intensity inside of it. So duration is not the best test of, are you getting better? Mm -hmm. But it's a good one. It's a good one as you're, as you're working your way back. All right. Next one is from The Factor of Think. How can I stop making every workout a competition? I feel like I have to be number one in the workout or I am doing poorly. CrossFit is so fun for me uh, when I'm doing well, but if I'm doing badly, even in a daily workout, I have an, a horrible experience. I know the old, the, the only competition is with yourself, but I really can't get out of my own way on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. I, I, I realize you put this in the think category, but mm -hmm. I don't think this is a I, I think that there's maybe part of the fun is me yeah. categorizing things and you seeing I, if you, I, you agree. I think that we can uh, mechanically work around this okay. as opposed to reframing it in our heads. Well, so, because we I've worked with this in a number of different situations, my wife being the closest. <laughs> so, how do you work out of somebody that's a super competitive athlete, but they know that their mentality of this competitiveness is no longer serving them? To a certain extent, com competitive serves us, yep. but at a certain other aspect, it can eat us alive, which is happening to this person. So the way you get out of this is mechanistically how you get out of this, not the longer, slower road of working yourself out of, you know, um, some sort of detrimental competitiveness into a healthy competitiveness. The way you do this actually tomorrow when you walk in the gym, and this sounds kind of funny and weird, but it works don't do the same workout as everybody else. Mm. Yep. You purposely, if everyone else is doing um, thrusters, you do overhead squats. If everyone else is using 95 pounds, you're going to use 115 pounds. If everyone else is running 400 meters, you're going to bike the conversion, which would be a thousand meters. If everyone else is doing toes to bar, you're going to do GHD sit-ups. You're going to keep the same stimulus. You're going to keep the same workout, um, the way it's structured inside of the week. So you can still have all the upside of the accountability of training with buddies and everything else, but you don't get to score yourself against mm -hmm. everybody else. So that aspect of like, I'm here to beat you. And if I don't, I don't see myself as, as a, as value of a person, mm -hmm. which is so detrimental that's gone. You no longer get to do that, but you still get this. Trust me, you will still feel the push and you will still work hard, yep. which is so weird. Yep. The environment does The so environment much. does enough just to be around those other people. You're still going to look at other people and they're going to be running. You're going to be biking. You're still going to go like, I want to beat them, <laughs> but it's not at the point it will eat you up because you understand like, well, yeah. Well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> and that enough done long enough can break you out of this habit. So this is a mechanistic way to get out of this. And if you do this for, I don't know the answer, two weeks, a month, six weeks, all of a sudden that identity of like, I need to win, I need to win starts to crumble at its core. Mm -hmm. And then when you come back to the other workouts, it's not the defining factor of who you are. Mm -hmm. Love that. All right. Next question. 
Where do you stand on eating carbs to gain weight and build muscle? I'm a fairly small, fairly small guy with a high metabolism. I'm trying to match my caloric requirements to build muscle, but struggle if I'm not eating quinoa, brown rice, or pasta every day. I love it. I don't know why I wouldn't, unless people, <laughs> this this listener included, thinks that I demonize carbs for the sake of demonizing carbs. I demonize carbs when they are in excess. So eat to levels to that which support exercise, but not promote body fat. Yep. So what this person is saying is I have a hard time sustaining caloric intake if I don't eat an these things, then go eat those things. Absolutely 100%. Some of our elite female athletes eat up to 500 grams of carbs a day. Mm -hmm. That is 2000 calories just of carbs. That's to put that in perspective, I don't eat 2000 calories total a day. Yep. So it depends on the athlete and you need carbs are you need you need more carbs than you do protein mm -hmm. and you don't need that much fat. Mm -hmm. But it's the, for an athlete like this person is, you need it more than anything else. You are a machine that fuels itself on glycogen. Glycogen is carbs. You need the carbs. So for sure, go for it. And you can't get enough. You can not get enough for an elite athlete that's trying to put on size through fruits and vegetables. Yep. Cannot. Yeah. So yes, the next thing to go to is rice, is quinoa, is potatoes. oatmeal, is potatoes for sure, is bananas, is dried fruit. And what I'm doing is getting towards a more and more like yep. farther away, is carbohydrate loading drinks. Mm -hmm. And then you get into is the pastas and then you get into is the breads. And then you get into like- You're saying there's lots on the road before yeah. you get to, I guess exactly. I'm eating a loaf of bread every day now. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or worse, I guess now I'm, I should say worse, um, less extreme than I need to fuel on Sour Patch Kids. Yep. But- Elite athletes do get to that point. They do fuel themselves on candy because it's such a struggle to get in the carbs. Yeah. The one thing I think about is, you know, I have another show with EC who's kind of the the 800 gram challenge, right? And I'm, I'm not going to guess at the right number because I won't remember it. But when she talks about the 800 gram challenge, which is to eat 800 grams of vegetables and fruit every day, she's she makes a point to say that's about like, I'm, I'm going to make up the most. That's like 20 to 30% of your daily caloric needs. Obviously, you got to add some protein in that. But the point being is like, you got a lot. You got a lot more ceiling there to fill in with things you need to fill in based on what you need, what you're particularly trying to do, whether it's gain weight or lose weight or gain muscle or or run a 5K or whatever. And it's just always it's always so funny to me to think about like 800 grams. Like everyone's like, oh, I got to eat so many fruits and vegetables, but it's like that only kind of gets you. That's the, you're, what like, that's doing is you are at the bare minimum yeah. of the caloric needs from getting fruits and that's vegetables. Right. Yeah, like that's the starting point for everybody. Yeah. Now that you have that. But depending on who you are, let's talk about the other stuff. Yeah. All right. Next question from the recover bucket. Uh, is cold explo is cold exposure the real date deal? I can't read. Huh. The real deal or a trendy fad? The real deal is hard to say. Uh, it's both. <laughs> it depends on what you mean by the real deal, though. Yeah. So if you do cold exposure every day, will you be able to run a sub three hour marathon? No. Mm -hmm. If you do cold exposure every day, will you be able to make it to the CrossFit Games or clean jerk 300 pounds? No. So but is there um, research to show that it helps 
health? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it depends on what you mean by the real deal. And the reason it's a fad is because people have tipped into this so far and this has become their practice. And it's kind of the way I've said about like mindset. You can't think your way to the CrossFit games. Mm -hmm. You can't just like have the best mindset in the world and because of that you're an elite competitor, but you can outthink yourself mm -hmm. out of the games for sure. And it's kind of the same, same to this. Can cross, cold exposure benefit your health um, practice, protocol, routine? Yes. If it's the only thing you do, are you doing enough? No, mm -hmm. it's not. It's not the only thing we can do. It is a... Um, it still comes down to the real basics. Um, it's why we don't include it in our five factors. It's not part of it. So um, does it have some recovery benefits? Yes, to an extent. I'm not talking about icing a sore joint. That makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Helps with pain. Slows down the total recovery process. Can it lower your body temperature? Yes, which can help if you just exercise in incredibly extreme heat. That's good. Can it help with... Um, sympathetic to parasympathetic uh, sensitivity, meaning be able to switch between the two at will. Yes, the same thing that like breath work does. Mm -hmm. So it is a practice, but it is not a practice unto itself. It's a piece that you can add in. Got it. Last one we've got is from The Connect. My mother and I have, a, have had a great experience with CrossFit, but despite all encouragement, otherwise my father still does not, uh, does the same bicep curls and shoulder shrugs he learned 30 years ago uh, in high school football. Can, can you teach an old dog new tricks? Forgot about shrugs. Shrugs, man. man. I got to pull those back in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. Just I remember doing those too. Trap City. Yeah. <laughs> Can you teach an old dog new tricks? Yes, but not if the dog is resistant to the tricks. So it's more about the dog than it is the teacher. Or yeah. the teacher. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, the, so in this case, the is to either be a psychological ninja that knows how to work the person or you just simply model behavior. And you just keep doing it. And if they don't come over, then they don't come over. But if they do, it's not going to be because you had a intervention with them, because you had the right convincing argument, that you placed a bet with them. Mm -hmm. None of those things are going to be the real reasons. It's going to be just a matter of maybe you finally let off and the person was like, huh, now that I'm not so... Because it might just be that they're resisting yeah. you at this point. And like, I'm not going to fold because... Yep. And I've said no for two years. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to yes say now. yes now. Yeah. Exactly. So yep. that's our thing. Like, you know, Billy, jump off the cliff. Billy, jump. And Billy's like, no, I don't want to. And after like three minutes of that, now he can't. Because yep. if he does, now he's giving into what you said. It's not his decision. Yep. yep. All right. Love it. Um, all right. That was our warm up. If you, if folks out there want to get a question in the queue, as always, find me on Instagram, PS Cummings, drop me a DM. I'll add it to our list. And I think with this new format, we're going to be able to get to more questions, which I'm really excited about. So we'll get them into future shows. All right. Next section of the show, what we're calling the workout, which is where we're going to kind of deep dive on something as it relates to this pursuit of chasing excellence. Um, and the question uh, I have for you today is one I thought of as I was, as we were putting together this new format and I was starting to think about the five factors and questions for, uh, for each one of those factors. We have always talked about the five factors as uh, uh, move, eat, think, connect, and sleep. Right. That was always the, that was from the beginning when we did this, that was kind of the five factors. And as I was doing, as I was putting these questions together and I was looking at the questions we've got, 
there are a lot of questions to me that are in the ballpark of sleep, but just mm. not about sleep specifically. So I started thinking about the factors and if there wasn't a better bucket category that we should use instead of sleep. And what I came up with is recovery or recover. Um, and so my question to you really is today, is that a valuable kind of evolution of that particular factor? Why might it be? Why might not it be? Et cetera. So I thought we could spend some time just unpacking this idea of this particular element of the five factors. Do we need to broaden it so it encompasses more than just what happens between, you know, you know, 10 p.m. and whenever you, whenever we wake up? Yeah. Short answer is yes. I think it's a, I, I like the evolution. Um, the way that it was frameworked in the it's up till most recently, eat, sleep, move, think, and connect, was really nice in terms of its simplicity. Those things themselves told you what to do. Yep. And when you say recovery, yep. it removes the prescription, mm-hmm. and that in it inherently adds a layer of complexity. And that's one of the things that as long as we unpack it correctly, it it, it can make sense. Yep. Because sleep, what we're just doing there is telling people, this is what you need to do. I need you to eat. I need you to sleep. I need you to move. I need you to connect with yourself, others, and nature. And I need you to think. Well, if you say I need you to recover, it's just a little bit more like, wait a minute, question mark, what does that mean? It's a step away from... And especially considering that sleep is 80% plus of recovery bucket. So that's why in the past we've done it that way. I'm game for recovery going Mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. So here is maybe some high level uh, understanding of the recovery bucket. We as human beings, whether it's throughout your day or throughout a training session, undergo a certain level of stimuli Mm -hmm. that causes us to break down. So Matt Walker, like the sleep expert of all sleep experts from Cal Berkeley. Why we sleep, right? Yeah, exactly. He said basically like being awake is like um, mild... Like every hour you're awake, you're inducing like little low levels of brain damage. (laughs) And only when you sleep does that actually get repaired. Well, that's the same thing through working out, moving throughout the day. As we're doing that, your, your muscles are incurring tiny little, if you're working out micro tears, that if you kind of like the same thing, if you were just to continue to stay awake, you'd start to fall apart cognitively first and then physically. Well, your body's doing the same thing. You have this cortisol cycle that happens throughout the day in line with the circadian rhythm, but also muscularly and um, from your gut and everything else. Throughout the day, if we don't sleep, you're going to start to break down. Mm -hmm. Sleep is the number one prescription protocol to whether it's from working out or anything else to recover from. And when we recover, what happens is that is actually what's happening is you are getting better, fitter, stronger, faster, all the things that we want to do when we are experiencing our days, whether it's learning or exercising, whether we're trying to become smarter or we're trying to become stronger. Mm -hmm. 
those things are actually not really happening. What's happening is when you sleep, I know I'm talking these two things tangentially at the same time. When you sleep, that's when things get put into long-term memory. Mm -hmm. So as you're reading a book, you're reading it right then, but when you, if you don't sleep properly enough, all of the stuff that you read, if you're watching a um, a how-to on YouTube or a masterclass, or you're in a CrossFit class working on a movement, if you don't sleep properly, those things don't get logged into long-term memory as well as they could have. So you're actually not improving at the rate you could have. The same thing is happening when you exercise and perform. You're actually, this is kind of weird, and we talked about this in the podcast before, when you exercise, you're actually making yourself worse. Mm -hmm. So if I ask you to go run a mile at a track as hard as you can, you run those four laps around the track. When you finish, I say, great job, Patrick. You did that in six minutes. And I have you rest for five seconds. And I say, go do it again. You're not going to get close to six minutes if you gave me a true, honest effort in the first one. On that next effort, you're going to be six and a half or seven or maybe even eight and a half or nine minutes. You're going to get so... So what that literally means is as you've exercised, your performance has decreased. Now, we all know this intuitively, but the, as you as you rest, as you don't exercise, and if I have you rest for not just five seconds, but five hours... Mm-hmm. Or five days, then I say, let's do it again, Patrick. Well, you you might even PR, you might even get better. And that's the idea is when you exercise, you have de- decreasing performance levels. When you then rest long enough, you return back to homeostasis. If you rest longer than that, you will experience what's called super compensation. And that's you actually getting stronger. If we initiate the next training dose at the peak of that super compensation, that is the recipe for you to maximize your performance. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. Now, nobody knows how to do that exactly, but people wear wearables and people try to structure their programming. So they're optimizing it. That's the, the whole thing behind training splits, even from the bodybuilding days of let's do Everyone's universal bench day on Mondays. You know. Shoulder shrugs on Tuesday. Yeah. And then you, it legs every March. <laughs> yeah. But that's the reason why. It's because you give your chest a chance to recover while you still are in the gym kind of doing other stuff. Yep. Well, this is conceptually the whole idea that we're trying to bring to the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Right? If you burn the midnight oil at the office as hard as you possibly can... But then you just come back tomorrow to do the same thing. That might not hurt tomorrow's performance, but by the time you get to day five, six, seven, or certainly month five, six, or seven, you're really doing a disservice to yourself. Could productivity go up in the short term? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's because we haven't... Same thing with the running on the track. Yeah. If I have you run a little bit, like, yes, it could go up. But the recipe for long-term success is to make sure we are resting and recovering the appropriate amounts to make sure we experience... Super compensations. What does this mean in English? We need to make sure that we are involving rest and recovery, sleep being the number one factor in that in a big, big way into our daily practice to make sure we're optimizing our health. Mm -hmm. That is why it's one of the five tenets, one of the five driving principles of the behaviors we want to bring into our lives. We want to center ourselves around these Five principles are the things that if we do well, we will be well on the way, at least in the health perspective, to chasing excellence. Mm-hmm. What is you know? I'm, inter- I'm curious if there's a if there's a 
an appropriate metaphor for what is like the the super compensation? Like what is the version of that for the rest of our lives? Like what is if you had to bring that out of the the vernacular of training or sport, like how would you describe that to somebody who, who's not in that world? It doesn't like would eyes yeah. would glaze over. What is the version of like how do you how do you get somebody to understand the importance of stress and recovery to yeah. the overall life cycle of getting better or getting getting healthier. So the first part of that is super compensation doesn't mean like superhero. It's right. not superhuman. It's not too, <laughs> yep. what it means is you're actually experiencing true compensation. It could be called true compensation, right? True and you switch out that word for another one, call it growth. Mm-hmm. So that's what, how it carries over to everything else. What this means is you're actually growing, you're actually evolving, you're actually becoming better. So Take that same thing into any one of our practice, anything else that we recommend that we talk about. Let's say um, the biggest one would be the balance across everything that we espouse. If you don't create the balance across those things, we're not going to have true, in air quotes, true growth. We will have... um, a growth that's is like a misleading growth Mm. where you're going to think that you're growing because your career is getting better. Mm -hmm. You're going to think that you're growing because you're having more fun on Friday nights partying with the boys. But those are, I call them, I would call it misleading indicators. That's not true growth. Mm. And if we want to bring this idea of, it's the same thing with training. If you are going to the gym and you are training six hours a day, you're doing, seemingly you're, you're doing everything right. You're doing all of, no one's working harder than you. Mm -hmm. So it can feel like you're on the path. You're probably not on the path. That's a misleading indicator. What we need to do is truly, truly are we improving? And that's the same thing with missing the balance across your relationships, across your health, across your joy and passion, across um, your career. Mm-hmm. We want, we're greedy here on the Chasing Excellence show. <laughs> like we want it all. We want it all and we want it all to happen. And we are not willing to give up any one of those things for the for the further pursuit of any other because we believe that that does not lead to a life of true excellence. Mm-hmm. We believe that is a, a really shiny object that a lot of people go for. But what we are trying to do is elevate above that and go, we're not here to just chase what society tells us to, which is accolades, awards, and the applause. We're not here for fame and power. We're not here for everyone to go, your aunt to see you at the and go, Patrick, I'm so proud of you. You're now a lawyer. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's the family thing, you know, like we, that is not what we are about. We are about making sure that we are truly chasing ultimate fulfillment, real purpose and passion to make sure that we are finding joy in the sense of joy that comes after doing something hard, not joy in the sense of like, I have a bowl of ice cream. I'm watching Netflix. That's what we're going for. And if we don't put rest, recovery, you could throw solitude, like whatever, whatever it is, like you could throw, like what are the practices that are going to allow us to sustain this thing? And if I just go and read and journal for three years, well, 
yes, I'm going so far down that rabbit hole, but that's in violation of our principles where we want to bring this whole thing up. That's why we need the rest and recovery, not just in the athletic pursuit, but across the spectrum of everything that we want. Well, the, I love the the term misleading indicators. Uh, so anybody in the obviously in the business world, under, well, not like leading and lagging in, but I like that just a little play on words. I like that. Um, last question as it relates to this is, I'd love to hear like because part of the part of where this comes from, this question or this rethinking of this particular factor is my own recognition that I haven't figured out really how to recover well. Just life-wise, not, again, not specifically training, but just big picture. Like where is, Seth Godin likes to put it as like, where is the slack in the system? Where is there not a thing, not an obligation, not a schedule? Like how are you building recovery into your life, into your day? Because something, it's one, it's something I struggle with, uh, especially in this phase of life, but it's also something I recognize is the, spark for all the other things, right? Like you and I just recently did a 12 hour walk and, and that was not specifically recovery that had, that was another issue, but the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in the space that right. was created in that over those 12 hours, I got, I'm still thinking about the things that I kind of, that kind of bubbled up in those in, you know, over the course of those 12 hours. And so to me, part of the, the effort of recovery or the effort of broadening it a little bit is to remember or recognize that it is just like in training when we recover is when we get stronger not necessarily when we are training but when we recover from that training that also in life when we recover from the daily grind the the meetings the work even the 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 being a parent the like all of that only when we have some space do we get better at the things and i'm recognizing in myself like oh i don't I'm not building in the slack to do that and I'm start and I'm feeling it and I feel it. Yeah. So I'm just curious, I maybe just t- to get a question on there is like what does that look like for you? Cuz our lives are yeah. similar but different enough that I'd be really curious what you what strategies you've got. Well, here here's what I'll tell you to me it's not. It's not the 2 weeks that you spent in Barbados. It's not the 2 week vacation. That's not recovery. Yep. That's um god, I can't wait for that. Oh my if here's a litmus test. If you get really, really excited about vacations, mm. you're not chasing excellence. Mm-hmm. Your life is out of whack. Mm-hmm. So that's a really, now I'm not saying don't get excited for those things. That's an awesome thing to have. But if it's the type of thing like, God, I just can't wait until dot, dot, dot. That's not what we're looking for. Here's also what it's not. Friday and Saturday night with the boys. That's not recovery either. Spending, you know, where you're going to bed at 2.30 in the morning, you know, nine- Both of those escapism to me. Escapism, exactly. Exactly right. So what is it? It's built in. Mm -hmm. It's built into it. You know, um, there's the saying like, you are not um, margaritas on the beach in Jamaica. That is not your life. You are not the afternoon that you spend once every two months at the spa. Mm -hmm. That is not your life. Your life is how your wife greets you when you walk in the door at night. It's, it is when your kids see you in the morning. What does that feel like? It is when you walk into the office, are you excited to see your coat? That's your life. Mm-hmm. When your boss walks into your office, do you sense a, a, a moment of excitement or dread? That's your life. That's the things that we want to work on. So 
built into that is the sustainability aspect of it. And it's a practice that we put in on a hopefully on yeah. a daily basis, <laughs> yep. but at least on a weekly basis. You know, the the Stephen Covey aspect is like build your life in a week mm. type thing. So if you have um and recovery can come in any form or fashion, right? It could be an Epsom salt bath with candles. Yep. It could be you walking in the woods. It could be making sure you're getting nine hours of sleep. It could just be reading. It, it could be so meditating. It could be so many different things. And I'm not here to say this one's better than the other. It's what works for you. Do what you can with what you got for where you are, right? So if I go, here's what you should be doing. You should be doing... Yep. You know, candles, Epsom salt bath, reading at night, meditating and doing a yoga practice before you uh, dim the lights and you just chant for three hours before you like that's not reality for most people. So I'll tell you what mine is. But again, it might not be reality for most people. As you know, I'm a big believer in two things. Win the morning, win the day. But also I'm a big believer in the 484 model that I, I kind of. I kind of created this myself. Yeah, unpack like, that. I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, four hours in the morning, eight hours at work, four hours at night. Then you sleep for another eight and that's your 24 hours. So you have, you're really, your day is made up of three eight hour periods. Mm-hmm. You have eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work and eight hours for you, air quotes. If you're married, <laughs> it's not you, <laughs> right? If you're kids, it's yep. way less you. But yep. And the way I've divvied that up is four hours before work, four hours after work. Yep. So what does my four hours before work look? Well, um... It's taken a long time to get here, but this is like with a lot of awareness, intention, and action is my morning practice right now is a matter of I I wake up at six. I spend the first half hour reading and journaling. The next half hour is uh, yoga with my wife. The next half hour is breathing and meditation. The next half hour is sauna. Mm-hmm. And the next hour is with my kids, getting them lunches packed up. I walk them up to the bus stop, see them off to school, and then I drive to the gym and do an hour-long workout with my wife. Mm-hmm. So that is a four-hour morning from six until 10 that I've carved off. Was I able to do that when I started my business? No. I was waking up at 4.30 in the morning to coach the 5.30 class. But when where the kids, I, When the kids were younger, that I imagine and, that was a lot harder. Right. Yeah. And it's like, but for where I am right now, you do what you can with what you got for where you are, always being intentional of how you're trying to turn the dial constantly, that Kaizen constant pursuit of betterment. And it's not a matter of like, oh, I'm not there. So if you were to ask me this, and it's not there every morning, mm-hmm. right? Some mornings I come in, I review a coach. Sometimes our coach is sick and I coach class. Sometimes our kids have something before school or whatever it is. But that's the practice I'm working with before school. I'm sorry, before before work. Yeah. And then after work, it's really, I would love to say it's five to nine. It's really, really, it's kind of closer to like, I'll call it five to nine. Mm-hmm. At five o'clock, I leave work now. I used to leave work at 5.30. I leave work at five. And usually I'm going to um, a kid's practice. Yep. Um, Bodie has soccer on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Harley has swim on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I'm going to see the second half of their practice. I drive them home from practice. Uh, when we get home while Heather's making dinner, I go in the backyard and play soccer with the kids. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's like I play half soccer for a half hour with the kids. Um, if it's not, um, nice, then we, you know, whatever it is, it's tickle monster on the bed or it's playing risk or chess or something like that but a half hour playtime with the kids then we have dinner i would love to say dinner lasts an hour but really it's probably more like 25 minutes (laughs) then we clean up for a half hour um and then 
I would love to say that usually gets us to about 7.15. Then there's, I would love to say that 7.15 to 7.45 is supposed to be dedicated another like free Mm playtime. Somehow it always gets eaten up by something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it gets eaten up by. Um, But in the fall, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll turn on a football game, Mm -hmm. something like that. Like we we don't stay up for Monday Night Football, so we watch Monday Night Football on Tuesday nights. But we watch it when we watch it. Um, But we're supposed to start getting... um, Teeth, PJs, and ready for bed at 7.45. Read with the kids um, until 8.15. Snuggle with the kids till 8.30. And then ideally, I'm going to bed at 8.30. But that gets us sort of to 9, to lights out. And, um, you know, it's usually closer to 8.45 or 9 before mm-hmm. that's happening. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I'm instilling some rest. So by the way, I'm now getting nine hours of sleep a night, which is I'm getting to sleep yeah. from like 8.30 until 6. That's pretty dang good with the totally so that's really good at the worst that's nine at the very worst that's you know very rarely is at 9 30 but i'm getting the actual sleep part of the rest and then the other part is like all the other like things we want to add in like sauna like yoga like meditation like space with my kids like leaving work at reasonable times like getting to work at reasonable times like all of those things are coming in to make sure that the rest in air quotes, the recovery in air quotes is an intentional part of the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think just the one, one thing, uh, worth mentioning or worth pointing out there is that I think a lot of times it's really easy, especially when you've got the young kids and the, the hour, hour bedtime routine can feel like a tornado. And like when you get out of that and the, the, easy thing would be cool. Now I get to go downstairs and watch Netflix or I get Mm. to scroll Instagram for 45 minutes when I was, you know, when I could have done something else. Right. I think that's worth pointing out that instead of those easy things, you choose to go to bed and right. Right. And I think it's really interesting because that's a hard decision. Uh, Yeah. You know, what's funny is like, that's, it's so interesting you point that out because it's so not a hard decision. Yeah. For most people it would be, yeah, Yeah. it is. It's a a pull. but, But what's helped on that, and this is part of recovery probably, is I haven't been on Instagram in three months. I literally, I un, unfollowed everybody except for the people that are close to me and that I work with. Yep. Um, and I don't even check them. I go in, I'll post something once every three days or so, but I haven't um, been on Instagram, like looking through it at all. Yep. And I realized it was a it was eating up. A, mm-hmm. That's what was end up happening was I would go up to stairs to get changed after work or I would go upstairs to brush my teeth and I would find myself scrolling yep. and I would lose maybe it was 10 or 15 minutes at the upper end sometimes it was 20 or 25 minutes yeah. just of of nothingness yeah. which is so interesting because it's it feels like oh, I'm just resting I'm just going to see what's going on, on Instagram no, it, but it, it, to me it felt even more it felt almost important <laughs> it felt like yeah. I sort of needed to Interesting. It was a need. Yeah. Like I need to get up to speed on what's happening. Yep. I need to make sure I'm up on the loop on whatever. Dot dot dot. And it's not only that I don't feel out of the loop. I feel so much more. This is so like just like it sounds like I'm in a, a movie demonizing social media, but I feel more present. Um, even when I'm not like when I'm playing soccer with the kids, because those. Th- That thing that bugged me that I saw on Instagram isn't gnawing at my subconscious anymore. 
It's actually letting you rest and recover. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's really like I am. Yeah, we fill in the gaps of time where we could be taking a deep breath, when we could be just sitting for a minute. We fill those times with something that feels like uh, like re- again, I say it feels like rest in the same way that like watching a show on Netflix feels like rest, but it's the opposite of rest because it spins us up. It takes us out of ourselves. Yeah. It makes us. It puts us in a a kind of a hyperactive mindset. It gives. It puts us in a position where we're now comparing ourselves to seven hundred other people we'll never well, meet. Well, literally from a biological standpoint, it is literally there's a chemical reaction happening in the body that's doing that. Is when you wake up, your body goes through this. So cortisol has been so demonized, and but there is there is a spike in cortisol, which is a really good thing. It's like the morning has come. Mm-hmm. I am now ready to go and do life. I'm ready to go plow the fields, hunt Kill the, some antelope. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Whatever it is, right? That's a really good beneficial system. And then it's supposed to peak around midday and then start to diminish later in the day. There's other chemical hormones that are doing the same type of thing and that are setting up our circadian rhythm, which is basically like making sure you are living life as a human being. Mm-hmm. Everything from artificial lights to um, traffic to what you saw on social media is throwing that thing out of whack. Yeah. Because you see that thing when you're supposed to be going down in chill mode. And I go upstairs at 7.45 to brush my teeth and I innocently scroll through this thing and it triggers something in me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not evolved enough being to not get triggered by that, that it's setting the whole system that we're talking about, which is recovery at the at the really like yep. sleep is so fundamental. And when I started learning about circadian rhythms and this cortisol cycle and all this other stuff and you know the light exposures, I was I always thought it thought of it as like, well, I fall asleep fast enough. Mm-hmm. So how can ASF help me? Mm-hmm. I'm not lying in bed staring at the ceiling. I go to bed and my eyes are asleep. So it's not it's so much more than that. The quality of sleep from um asleep through all of the cycles that you go through to when you wake up are affected by these things. So the sleep that you're getting at 3.30 in the morning is affected by what you did at 6.05 the previous morning. Mm -hmm. We are that sensitive. Your body is striving so hard to create this rhythm. And if we are doing things to set ourselves out of that rhythm, you're eroding your health at the foundational level. Fascinating. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, that was cool. So cemented, it is now recover, yeah. set asleep. We'll, we'll cement in wet cement. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to do uh, uh, a little cool down question in a minute about um, scoring the five factors, which we never really talked about. For that, though, I want to give a shout out. Um, I'm going to start doing this every episode. Just a quick shout out. Read a uh, review from Apple Podcasts um, as a as a thank you for folks who do uh, get out there and Very review cool. and rate. Um, they do help new folks find the show. So if you haven't yet, we always uh, see them and appreciate them. Um, I wish Apple Podcasts like let people leave their real name. I don't. I don't think they do. So I don't have a name to credit this to because it was just this like 
weird conglomeration of letters. Hmm. But here's what it says. It says, keep these episodes in your back pocket. I've been listening to these podcasts for the last two-ish years, but the mindset, habit forming, and growth themes to the episodes have been some of the best tools I've come across to assist me during a career change, throw in COVID, and developing my outlook hmm. toward becoming a better version of myself. I like to save certain ones that speak to me and revisit them. I feel as if I learn something new every time. Highly recommended. Uh, thank you for sharing your outlook and knowledge. So thank you to whomever left that review. Ah, I wish uh, really we should like, that. even like if we know what they're, yeah. that tag, if it's AG8347, yeah. we should yeah. just give it. That that's really not, cool. That wasn't that far off from what it was, but <laughs> I can, I can start tracking that. Um, we always really appreciate it. Thank you. That's it. very both, cool to hear. Both Ben and I often get notes from folks like this, whether they're in a DM or whatever. We always, if I get them, I make sure I share them with you and uh, and vice versa. So thank you to everybody out there who uh, who either leaves a review or just sends us a note. It does help. Um, okay, last thing, we're calling it cool down, which is uh, we, used to do, we used to do hopper talks, which is random questions that were just kind of fun to, to talk through and talk about. Um, so about five minutes, we're going we're gonna to wrap this thing up. But here's my question to you is, how would you score yourself across the five factors? Assume that each factor can be given a score, one good, two, uh, sorry, one bad, two good, three great. What your score is, I'm happy to give what I think mine is. And then, like, I'd love to know, like, what do you think a good, like, we talk about balance a lot. We talk about that Frisbee. Like, what is a good score in your mind? Is a good score only a perfect score? Or, like, where is the where is the gray area for you? And then um, I would love to just know your thoughts, like, whether it's useful to even have a score for ourselves as so it relates why to Why don't you, Hopper Talk, why don't you start? All right. So if I had to score myself, again, one bad, two good, three great, I would give myself, um, I would give myself twos on move, think, and eat. I would give myself one... Um, connect and the, t- the tough one is the recovery one because I'm somewhere probably between a one and a two because sleep is good but like I alluded to there's not a lot of slack in the system there's not a lot of just like me um, and so what is that three uh, two four six seven eight let's go with eight eight and a half if I if I could get half credit and what would you say is a low score or acceptable I think uh, I think the rate like uh a bad score, I think, would be two, three, four, five, in the range of six, five to six. I think six to eight is probably good, and eight and above would be great. There's a lot of numbers being thrown around yeah. right now. <laughs> That's why I kept it simple, though. Yeah. One, two, three. I, I thought like it would be... It. Okay. All right, cool. I'll, I'll go through them one at a time. Um, so, eat, I would give myself... Um, a three. Mm-hmm. I think I eat. I eat super clean. Um, now there's still room, so I almost think there should be like a three <laughs> plus yeah. because there's a lot of room. Yeah. Um, and most of that has to do with like sourcing of foods. Yeah. Oh but yeah, even, about that. But even the sourcing of foods I do is eighty percent come from organic, farm fresh. Whole like it's it's pretty darn yep. clean. Um. Um. Eat. Uh. In terms of the move, I would give myself. I, I would I would give it for what I'm chasing. I would give it a three. I do a CrossFit workout um, six days a week. I do yoga yeah. um, four or five days a week. Um, I go on walks. Um, I, I play soccer. You got a gold star. In I get soccer <laughs> in the ba- backyard stuff yeah. like that. I go on hikes. Um, do a 12 hour walk every yeah. 17 sleep, years. Sleep. If you had asked me that a year ago, I would have given myself a one and a half. Mm. I was getting about really consistently like six 
um, four, six hours and 45 minutes. That was like really, I was always just shy of that seven to nine hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of, um, you know, the kind of like the spring ish. So now we're going half a year now. I would give myself a three. I'm getting nine hours of sleep a night, which is, it's been a long-term goal of mine. I've, it's been in my, like written down in my book of like, this is what I want to do for a long time. So I give myself a three on that one. Um, uh, connect. So how do I do with connecting with others, connecting with nature, connecting with myself? Um, I would give myself, uh, a, a two and a half on that. Mm -hmm. I, meditate daily. Um, I journal daily. Um, I have an incredible relationship with my family and kids. If there's a connection I'm missing, it's with my extended family and friends. I don't have really strong relationship with, uh, a lot of friends outside of that. Um, and, uh, nature, I would love to get way, way more into nature, more of a challenge in the Northeast, but we ski on the weekends, we boat in the summer, but I'd love to get more into nature. So that's like the, there's still quite a bit of room there. And then the think, um, I would give myself a, 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 a two to two and a half. Mm-hmm. I don't get rattled by things. Um, I can deal with the adversities of life. I'm not a positive or negative. I'm much more of a realist. I actually enjoy challenges. Um, but there's still so much room to grow. And again, if you had asked me that 10 years ago, I probably would have said a three, Mm. but I, it's not that I'm worse. It's that I think I'm more aware. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's more. So I would give myself, I don't know what that adds up to. Um, so it's probably like a two and a half on average across all of them. So what is that? There's five of them, 10. So that's like a 12. Yeah. I'm, my math earlier was way off. So I think I gave myself an eight. Um, and so I think eight is probably in the range of good. And I think in the range of like 12 to 13 is probably really good. Yeah. So I think that's where you are. Yeah. Whether or not, whatever the specifics are. Here's But what I would say is um, I would I would score like good versus not good. Um, I would actually, the way I would start is... Um, no ones. Mm-hmm. That's the most important. Kill the ones. Kill the ones. Yeah. Right. You're only as good as your weakest link in our mm-hmm. in our book. And if you are a, a three in a category, but a one another, that's not really. We want to be good across everything. We can't be bad in one of those. It's for the same reason. Like, yeah, you might be killing your career, but if your family's falling apart, like that's not what we're chasing. Yep. So if you can, if you put a score together, look at the lowest number and say, okay, what am I going to do? It's the same way we do a people analyzer internally. It's yeah. like what we want to make sure is like, yeah. what's the, like, yeah, it's cool to have check pluses in the get it, want it capacity to do it. Yeah. It's cool to have like, these people are amazing in terms of our core value assessment, but what you're really looking for is who's out of whack. Yep. And you got, you got to find those things first. Okay. I love that. All right, cool. Uh, throwing it out there. Let, folks, let us know if you uh, if you like this idea of a, a five-factor score. All right, my friend. That was the first episode of season two, five years in. So that was fun. Uh, Congrats, Patrick. <laughs> find me on Instagram. 250 episodes yeah. later. Yeah, you as well. Find me on Instagram, uh, P.S. Cummings. Send me some questions for future episodes, and also just let me know how uh, what you guys think of this new format. Ben and I uh, will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence.